0: Podcast. Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast, continuing our series recapping the 2019 NFL Draft, focusing today on the New York Jets and the other team, what is it, Boston,
1: P- New York, uh,
0: whoever, you know, the the, some, P- some, the Pats, some guy, some some good quarterback they have there. Yeah, so they were focusing. We did Bill's Dolphins yesterday. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And we're on to the rest of the division before we wrap this week up.
1: Well, I, I guess the bad news is, is I don't I don't think we can conjure up the same light-hearted energy talking about division rivals the way we did talking about each other's teams. You know, I felt yesterday's pod. was real smooth. You know, we had a good time because of your allegiances, Joe. I feel like I know the Bills inside and out. And I'm sure you know the Dolphins much better than what you typically would. Right. I don't want to assume. You might be the smartest football guy. I know, so, yeah, but, but I feel like my Dolphins knowledge has helped give you additional perspective on the team. But with our vicinity to these two teams, these are teams that we know quite well as well. We're just not going to poke fun of each other about them.
0: Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. I do know a lot about the Dolphins because they are an intimate part of our
1: Friendship, the New York Jets. I was going to say relationship. <laughs> My work hubby, Joe Marino. So, all right, let's uh, the right. New York
0: Jets. <laughs> so, uh, the Quinn. So the Jets. They did this thing called getting the best player in the draft with the number three overall pick. Thank you, Arizona Cardinals, for taking Kyler Murray. And then uh, the 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 Forty Nine ers went with the edge rusher and Nick Bosa and Quinn and Williams, who I think both of us both of us had as player one in this draft. The Jets get him at number three. And, you know, I've I've talked a lot about Quinnen Williams on this podcast, and I think you can make a case that the the need for the Jets was greater on the edge. But come on now, Quinnen is special. And, And, you know, we've seen a lot of really good Crimson Tide defenders come through the ranks in recent years. And you get a lot of the same qualities in Williams that you're used to seeing in those players. The technical refinement with the hands, the power at the point of attack. But what makes Quinnen special is a football IQ to find the football and the ability to get off blocks. This dude is slippery. He finishes. He lives in the backfield, and he's going to be a problem in the NFL.
1: Right, and this is something I actually, Joe, for today, recap the Jets draft class at thedraftnetwork.com and uh, kind of talked a little bit about the dynamics of, of Quinnen and, and why it's important to take the best player available when he's there with the third selection and – and really, it just it comes down to bad teams need to take good players. And you know you're getting a good player in Quentin Williams. Uh, he still has so little playing experience that you're excited to think about what he could potentially even become from yeah. here. And uh, they do have Leonard Williams there. Leonard Williams is entering the player option year, the fifth year of his rookie contract. He's got a $14 million cap hit this year. Uh, the Jets are have, have signed some contracts this offseason, so you don't really know if they're going to be interested in retaining Leonard Williams at the rate that he will probably command. So drafting Quinnen Williams now, you get a year for Quinnen to learn from Leonard, and you get a year of those two guys together on the inside, and if the Jets make a business decision, the Jets' defense will not skip a beat. And I, I think that that future thinking, that future perspective makes this an even better pick for the Jets than just taking the best player available.
0: Yeah. When you strip down this offseason for the New York Jets, Le'Veon Bell, Kalichi Assembly, Quinn and Williams, uh, CJ Mosley, Jameson Crowder. This is a better football team. Now, Adam Gase is the head coach. And so that's a little bit of a concern, but the talent on this football team has certainly increased. And, and Jakai polite, right? You got to get to this one here. Pick number 68, the third round, frequent, player in mock drafts all the way up until the draft season right the combine where this guy didn't show up in shape really kind of bombed the team interviews was funky in the in the media interviews tested not what anyone expected and then he kind of doubled down with bad testing on his pro day and weird comments continued to come out and What a bad draft season for him because when you watch his tape, this is an explosive football player with really good bend that gives you a speed dynamic off the edge that is first-round worthy. Now, throughout this process of these funky things happening with Ja'Kai Polite, he didn't become a worse football player. And one thing that really stood out to me about his comments is that he said, hey, I've got this hamstring thing, and I'm trying to show teams that I'm tough, and it's coming at the expense of really him being out of shape and him not testing anywhere near the athleticism that we saw on tape. All this to say, if July, if Jakai Polite is the player we saw on tape at Florida and they got him at pick 68, this is one of the steals of the class.
1: Yeah, it's really terrifying potential, right? If you really think about a healthy Jakai Polite with and Williams, with Leonard Williams, no. oh boy, you know, we we can do some stuff up front as far as rushing the passer and playing penetration roles. Uh Jakai's He's going to be a high-variance pick, I think. He's either going to reach the ceiling or he's mm-hmm. going to reach the floor. Yep. There's not going to be a whole lot in the middle no. with Ja'Kai Polite. So um, one thing to monitor here with Ja'Kai will be what kind of shape does he show up in for training camp? He better be in the best shape of his life. he gets yeah. that hamstring right, and if he does, it's a positive step in the right direction. Then you can look to build some momentum. But I'd also say this. you know, Ja'Kai won predominantly with speed and uh, burst off the edge and flexibility. I want to see some additional pass rush counters in his game, and I want to see him better against the run. So Ja'Kai might be a guy who takes a little bit of time to get himself acclimated to the pro level. I don't necessarily know with some of the red flags here that he will be an impact player year one. Everything's going to have to go right from here, and everything to this point has gone wrong. So it's just something to keep in mind when we th- talk about the ceiling of Chikay Plight. we also have to talk about the floor. Sure, uh, Chuma Idoga, ninety second pick, pretty surprising, simply for the fact that you look at this team had Joe Marino brand player Bobby Evans available <laughs> and on the board, and also Yanni Kajus from West Virginia was available. So if you wanted to go left side or right side, I was surprised that they opted to go with Chuma. I understand. Long armed, quick footed offensive tackles, right? Like that, that's a thing. That's a real life thing that we do in the NFL. It doesn't matter how good, bad, or ugly your tape is. Just asked the Houston Texans. But Chuma thought he took a step in the right direction with his functional play strength in 2018, but he still needs a lot of work there. And he, he, there's, um, there's some speculation. I guess, about how how committed he is to developing his techniques. And that's always a really challenging thing with naturally athletic guys because they really don't have to develop that side of their game. It's it's so easy to just understand I'm more quick-footed than this guy can handle. So Chuma is another guy who I think has some variance between his ceiling and his floor, and I think that's a a theme that you see with these Jets picks. They're very exciting players if they hit the ceiling – but will they hit the ceiling or will they bottom out?
0: I'll comment on one more guy here: Blake Cashman, linebacker from Minnesota. One of my favorite studies from this past year, and certainly blew up the combine that kind of put him on the on the map. And then I got to his film, and you really saw an exciting football player—a guy that you kind of you kind of can tell from the way he plays that he's a walk-on that wind up being a, you know a team captain by the time it was all said and done. A great, uh, greatly productive player uh, for the Minnesota Gophers and I really like the way he fits the NFL this today's NFL where he really has that range that you're looking for that coverage ability that you're looking for love his trigger downhill now he's got some restrictions in terms of his length which you know it shows up in pass coverage a little bit shows up in his ability to get off contact and be a consistent tackler but there's a demeanor here that uh, I, I can really buy into get based on the way he plays. I think at a minimum, you've got a really outstanding special teams player. But I think he can be a whole lot more than that and certainly give the Jets potentially a really nice playmaker at linebacker on day three.
1: Okay, quick shout-out to they also drafted tight end Trevon Wesco from West Virginia and bless on Austin, a defensive back from Rutgers. Let's move on. The New England Patriots drafting a Kyle Krabs brand guy in Nikhil Harry with the 32nd pick. This is my 17th overall player in this year's mm-hmm. draft class when I stacked this board in vertical fashion. Uh, I'm buying in on Nikhil. I, I think he's got more dynamic mobility. And you think about the New England Patriots and and the the, the back shoulder throws and uh, the contested catches and, and, and how much they like to throw the ball Um in the red zone and kind of rely on size in those areas. If they're not swinging them down to James White out of the backfield, some exciting potential here. And I think from a a strengths and weaknesses perspective of Nikhil Harry, I understand why this was the direction that they went. I think Nikhil's strengths and weaknesses versus a role in which you can see for Nikhil in the Patriots offense. When you place him amongst the other receivers that they have there in that receiving room, Uh, this is a logical pairing and it's one that um, I'm looking forward to if for no other reason the Patriots don't draft wide receivers in the first round anymore. And <laughs> here they are. You know, They don't draft wide receivers, period. And here they are taking one at 32. So I think that's a testament to the way they feel about Nikhil Harry, obviously. But for them to kind of go against their own trends in this regard and, and really target a skill player here early in the draft, I think says a lot.
0: I love this Chase Winovich pick, and and it kind of pains me because I wish he was taken by the Bills a few slots earlier instead of being Devin Singletary. But Chase Winovich, man, he's a he's a uh, a brand player for anyone who knows how to study football players. Man, he's so good. Uh, love, love, obviously his motor, but he's really technically refined. He's he gives you power. And he knows to get off contact and finish, and you get him in attacking role playing forward. It's he's going to be a stud. And you think about Bill Belichick, who's done such a great job throughout the course of his career using guys in a matchup specific role, but you know really maximizing their output and, and finding what they do well and putting them in situa- situations to succeed. And this is a team that I thought had some questions in terms of their pass rush. And I think Chase Winovich for a player pick 77 overall has, a, is quite the opportunity to make a big impact in that area for this defense right away, more so than your typical, you know, third round pick. So Chase Winovich, probably one of my favorite picks of any team at any point in the draft.
1: Yeah. Patriots had three third round picks this year and, and came away with De- uh, Chase Winovich, Damian Harrison, Yannicka juice. Yeah, that's good. They that's did a, a pretty ball. nice job there with that group. Um, uh, I got a hot take for you. Maybe oh. not a hot take. Mm-hmm. If Winovich is there at 78, he's Miami Dolphin.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, Their pass rushers are Charles Harris and Jonathan Woodard.
0: Yeah, should have been. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so
1: uh, kudos to the Patriots for allowing a best player available situation to manifest and simultaneously check the box for a need. Yeah, weird how that works, huh? Um, I want to talk a little bit about Joe Juan Williams. Yeah, traded uh, up for him. Yeah, traded up to 45 yeah. for Joe Juan Williams. Um. look, he checks every single box you're going to want to see for outside corners, right? The, the, the big, long-armed, physical guys. So from that perspective, I understand the value. But I thought Joe Juan was, was a little ways away from, from being ready to contribute at an NFL level. So for them to invest that heavily in him where you got a top 50 pick and there was a trade involved to get there was a little surprising for me. Oh, well, I understand this 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 scheme fit and the thought process there, and it's one of those go get your guys situations. But Joe, for me, I look at their first five picks, and this is the one that stands out to me that I'm kind of lukewarm on, to be honest with you.
0: I get it. I, I think that you know this is a, one of the another one of those matchup specific type guys that you know you're looking for a guy to line up with these big flex tight ends and and really potentially. Uh, play in the box a little bit and match up with some bigger receivers Uh, you know I I guess I kind of get it from that perspective but yeah a little early and certainly parting with assets to go up and get him is something that is a bit surprising uh, for me I'll I'll mention one more guy here Jarrett Stidham quarterback Auburn uh, Fourth-round pick for the New England Patriots. I'm a little higher than Stidham than uh, a lot of people. and Yeah, I get it. I get it. He didn't really rise to the occasion, and that Auburn offense really underachieved, especially for some of the expectations of his going into the season. And Wish he was better with high manipulation with the defense, and I certainly wish that uh, he handled the pressure Oh, is that all? Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got warts, all right, brother. He's got <laughs> warts, but what does he do, Kyle? What am I going to say? What does he do? He throws a pretty ball. He throws a pretty football. Clean mechanics when he can be kept clean. He throws some really nice footballs to all levels of the field. So, no no need to play early here. They had a need here at backup quarterback, and you can start developing and seeing what you have here for a Patriots team with I don't know what is this five hundred draft picks <laughs> from this year's class. I thought taking one of these picks to throw a dart at a quarterback makes sense, and instead of, from a mechanics and accuracy standpoint, gives you something to work with.
1: It's actually uh, f- uh, 12. Oh. So you're... 12,
0: 12. fittingly. Fittingly, it's 12 o-
1: Overshot it by about 488. Wow. But
0: The literal, the realest Kyle Krabs here today, as we record this podcast lists at midnight, basically.
1: Yeah, we're getting ready to run this thing. <laughs> uh, I can't talk about the Patriots draft class and not talk about... Yelta Froholt. Yelta? Yelta. Where's he,
0: is it uh, Denmark? Denmark, yep. Denmark.
1: Listen, it took Ben Solak and his Eastern European background yeah. to correct us and figure out how to pronounce Yelta's name correctly. So, first of all, I kind of just felt obligated to say his name out yeah. loud since I know how to say it now. Not going to talk
0: about the football player. Yeah, man. well,
1: you know, he's not a bad football player either. I think he's a true center. He's got some issues with lack of length. But he's fun. He He's really a... Uh, effective interior offensive lineman. He's pretty sticky. Um, He does well in tight spaces, even though he's not a guy that is going to overwhelm you. I think you've seen the New England Patriots have success with those kinds of interior offensive linemen before, because there's so much between the ears, right? Like you gotta be so smart to play in that offense. And, and Yelta really strikes you as the kind of player that has the mental acumen required to play in that system. So he went actually a little earlier, I was surprised, a little earlier than when I had him ranked. I I thought I was high on Yelta. I had him in the 140s, and he goes 118. So um, kind of cool to see a, a guy that really got no buzz at all, zero buzz that you and I talked about. And we were like, ah, yeah, you know, this guy's pretty, he's a pretty good football player. And then to see the New England Patriots of all teams go out and, and target him in uh, the middle of round four, the, the 16th pick in the fourth round. It's kind of cool to see the league kind of, mirror something we thought we picked up on we thought we had something and we don't always have something but this was one of those cases where it seemed like we did
0: hmm, sounds like i feel should feel good about my stidham uh love there. no my, uh, no oh it only works that way okay uh, real quick just on this offensive line group as a whole because i think they added three pieces that i like you know yadi Kajus, obviously being the premier pick pick 101 a guy i'd take much sooner i think he has the ability to start in the nfl love his power love his tenacity and i think that's if you can get his pass sets right you've got a quality starter and they got who's their head? oh line coach dante scarnechia yeah. i mean if there's anyone that can get best it in right in the biz there, yeah well mike manchak probably has an argument as well but uh, best give best me yeah well look if there's anyone that's going to get the most out of him, it's going to be Skarnecki. Froholt, you, you described him. I think he has potential starter upside. And then I'm not, I'm not sleeping on Javon Patterson, the center from or the interior offensive lineman from Ole Miss, a guy that I think gives you good play strength. And certainly at that point in the draft, in nearly the end, a guy that I think, I, I think he's got low level ceiling uh, as a starter.
1: Can we? We're going to run through this gauntlet. I guess we'll talk about him real quick. We're going to run through this gauntlet and not talk about Damian Harris. <laughs> Kind of missed him there amongst these twelve draft picks that the Patriots had. Surprised to see them go running back in the third round after taking Sony Michelle in the first round last year. Um, I understand why, right? You saw this team really gravitate towards the run game down the stretch. It really helped them to solidify their offense and make sure that they had their offensive identity down the stretch in the the, the run to the Super Bowl victory. Um, but you have Sony Michelle, and you know this team might have lost Trent Brown, but they got Isaiah Wynn coming back, you know, and, and they've got a really sturdy interior offensive line: Shaq Mason, Joe Thune, um, and Sony Michelle really felt like he he turned it on. But to see them go out and get another running back, I think it allows them to have some continuity in the running game. No matter Sony Michelle, if he has any injury issues. Uh, a guy that you can run a lot of the same concepts through, you know, versus James White, who I think you'd have a little bit less success. If you asked him to take the carries that you would get from Sony Michel, let, let yourself get another effective ball carrier. Let James White be the effective pass catcher that he is. Damian Harris, I think, is an attractive fit because he's got enough Uh, burst out of that first foot when it sticks in the ground and, and looking to go. He's not super explosive, not a super home run hitter, but he's pretty loose.
0: This Patriots draft class overall, interesting, right? Like solid players across the board, any super high ceilings here. Maybe Winovich, obviously Harry's intriguing, but, you know, they threw a lot of darts and that's what the Patriots do. They've made more draft picks than anybody right over the last 10 years. I think it was like 75 more and the next closest team. And this is just another one of those Patriots draft classes. And Belichick will do what he does. And we'll see if they can get the most out of these guys.
1: Yeah, we had an interesting thought uh, or uh, interesting conversation throughout the course of this past week. We talked about how statistically speaking, like nobody beats the draft game, right? Like your, your, your odds of drafting success are over a large sample size, essentially exactly the same. So how do you combat that? you have more bullets in the chamber and the new England Patriots having over a 10 year span, 70 something more draft picks than the next closest team and picking 12 again this year is just, it's, it's the embodiment of that's how this team has been able to find hidden gems and be able to keep the body of their roster intact and, and replace players a year too early instead of a year too late and not skip a beat and not handcuff themselves financially. So It's really impressive to see, and and kind of having some of these conversations and looking at this as as their body of work for this season, you understand why they work the way that they do, and you understand why they've had the success that they've had.
0: Well, it's all going to depend on 12. So when he goes, i got a feeling that this dynasty is not going to quite be what it's said and done. But the debate is, when 12 goes, does Belichick go? I say yes. I say yes, too. All
1: right, now... What is going to depend on me and not Tom Brady is next week's episodes of The Draft Dudes. Joseph is taking a leave of absence. Would you like to tell the people why?
0: Um, There is a woman who has agreed.
1: Wonderful woman.
0: Who has agreed to marry me. We're going to go through with that on Saturday. So I'll be peacing out somewhere, not here, for a week on a honeymoon. And Kyle Krabs will steer this ship.
1: I will be your faithful captain throughout the next Week of the draft, dudes. I, I will look to bring in some some co-hosts and oh, see if anybody can fill in the, huh? the the very very large shoes of Joe Marino to fill. So
0: maybe there's some people happy. Hey, Joe's gone for a week. This could be the best week listen, of draft dudes ever.
1: If some if they were rooting for one of us to get the hell out of here. I promise you it would be me and not you. Maybe their
0: their dreams will come true in a few weeks.
1: Yeah, maybe. We'll (laughs) see. All right, well, (laughs) thanks for listening. hope you guys enjoyed this Friday episode wrapping up the AFC East. Uh, Come back and see us again next week. Like I said, I will be manning the ship. Kyle Krabs grinding the tape, signing off with the Joe Marino on Twitter, Joe Marino. Uh, Make sure you tweet at him and congratulate him on the next chapter of his lovely 32-year-old life. Thanks, guys.